Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, to my bed crimers. Hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Do me a favor, if after watching the video you find you enjoyed it or you learned something, smash that like button and please consider subscribing. And if you want to support the work I do, please consider a membership. I keep the price really low, $1.99 a month. Hey, that's much less than even one drink from Starbucks. Now, without further ado, let's dig in. On the day Dan Markell died, his ex-wife Wendy was very busy, despite not having her two sons with her that morning, and despite the university being on summer break. It makes me wonder if she was deliberately trying to fill up the day with activities so that other people could verify where she was. Wendy Adelson began her day at her home at 3303 Aqua Ridge Way. That morning, a TV repair person was to come over and try to fix her broken television. What's odd about that is her ex-boyfriend, Jeffrey Lacoste, told investigators that the crack in the TV screen was so deep that Wendy's little boys, ages three and four at the time, would not have had the strength to create such a large and deep crater. To me, it sounds like the size of the crack would have made it pretty obvious that the TV was toast. And that is what the repairman concluded. Now, why would Wendy Adelson, with her wealthy brother and parents, and her own large stash in the bank, need to repair what was obviously a beyond repair TV. Wendy's mother, Donna Adelson, also texted Wendy about the repair person's visit. Was that the Adelson's way of making a solid alibi for Wendy, who would have been the person with the most motive to harm Dan Markell? We know now that the police believe Donna was involved in the plot to do in Danny Markell, because she's been arrested and charged as a co-conspirator. If Donna is indeed guilty, then this repairman visit to Wendy's house was most likely a deliberate act to use the repair person as a third-party verifier who could say Wendy was at her home at such and such hour. Personally, I think Wendy and Donna were maybe banking on the repair person being at Wendy's house for a much longer period. Wendy said, I believe, that he left around 10.15. Remember, Dan Markell is injured between maybe 10.53 a.m. and 10.55 a.m. Wendy told the investigator that after the repair guy left, she stayed home and did some writing on a paper as well as some laundry. Then, either at noon or 12.15 p.m., Wendy left to A, buy a bottle of bourbon for a party that same night, B, purchase some crazy glue to fix one of her son's toys, and C, to head to the Mosaic restaurant by 1 p.m. to have lunch with some friends. This was apparently a last-minute lunch date. I don't know about you, but to me, that seems like a lot of places to go that morning and early afternoon. Wendy also stated in her subsequent police interview that she was running late that day, and so she didn't have time to even take a shower. Now, if you've been following the case for any amount of time, you likely know that Wendy drove to Trescott Drive that day, which is where Danny Markell was living at the time, 
and where he died. Seeing yellow crime scene tape and seeing that the street was blocked off, Wendy said she turned around and took another route. Note that she didn't bother to call her son's daycare in that moment to make sure that the boys were safe and sound. She also didn't bother to check on her ex-husband, Danny Markell. That might be because she couldn't stand him at that point, but still he was the father of her children and yellow crime scene tape near his home and down the street should probably raise alarm bells, right? It wasn't that the street was just blocked off. There was yellow crime scene tape going down five houses on either side of Dan Markell's house. Now, Sergeant Chris Corbett of the Tallahassee Police Department testified that Wendy encountered the roadblock on Trescott Drive between 12.35 p.m. and 12.45 p.m. Corbett also pointed out that Wendy had gone out of her way to be able to buy the bourbon at ABC Liquor, a specific liquor store near her old home, the one she had shared with Dan Markell. Well, it turns out that there was actually a liquor store two minutes from the Mosaic Restaurant, which is the cafe where Wendy was to meet her friends at 1 p.m. for lunch. In fact, the Market Square Liquor Store was in the same shopping center as the Mosaic Restaurant. If Wendy was running so late, as she said she was, why would she drive out of her way to ABC Liquor, when the Market Square liquor store was practically right next door to Mosaic. And I looked up photos of the Market Square liquor store, and it looks like it's very well stocked with every type of liquor you could ever imagine or want. So it truly makes no sense whatsoever for Wendy to have headed out to ABC Liquor when she was running late. Did she drive that way so that she could confirm that the hitman had completed their task? Or did she drive there out of her own morbid curiosity? Did she want to see the crime scene after the crime occurred? Charlie Adelson and who knows who else in the Adelson family were planning to pay more than $100,000 for this murder. So yes, they probably would have wanted to confirm that it happened and to try to make sure that Danny wasn't just injured, but that he was in fact dead. Can't have him survive this, right? Or else he might be pointing fingers. Many wonder if Wendy maybe told Charlie and Katie McBanawa what she saw, and is that why Zigfredo Garcia's baby mama Katie already knew that Garcia and Rivera had harmed Dan before Zigfredo called her, meaning Katie, to tell her it's done, meaning the job is done? Or was Charlie listening to a police scanner out of Tallahassee. I'm speculating here, but Wendy was, per Sergeant Corbett, at Trescott Drive between 12.35 and 12.45 p.m. That's about an hour and a half post the crime. And per Charlie Adelson's arrest affidavit, Digfredo Garcia called Katie at approximately 12.30 p.m., which was the first contact initiated by Garcia after the crime. And this is when he supposedly said, it's done. And Katie replied, I know. Somehow Katie knew about the crime being done before Siegfredo called her at 12.30 p.m. Could Wendy have maybe heard the sirens after Jim Geiger dialed 911? 
I don't think so. You see, the distance between Wendy's house on Aqua Ridge Way and Danny's house on Trescott Drive is about 5.4 miles which is a journey that takes about 11 minutes by car. Now, after purchasing the bourbon at ABC Liquor, Wendy drove over to Mosaic, and there she proceeded to have lunch with her friends. I would be very curious to know if she told them about Trescott Drive being blocked by police. Wouldn't you tell your friends about that, especially if you were running late? Wendy was about 10 minutes late. And then, wouldn't your friends have said, why was the road blocked? How would Wendy have answered that? Would she have said, I don't know, or I didn't bother to ask the officer, or maybe I think a tree fell? I mean, even if Wendy wasn't concerned about her sons and her ex-husband after seeing all that, you'd think her friends would be. Wouldn't they prod her into calling Danny or the daycare? We know that Wendy's real estate person dialed her after hearing about a shooting on Trescott, and she did that even knowing that Wendy no longer lived there. That message was very telling, by the way, because the real estate agent only said she wanted to make sure that Wendy and her sons were okay. The real estate agent didn't bother to inquire about the one person who lived full-time on Trescott Drive. Danny Markell. Do you think this real estate lady had heard all of Wendy's complaints about Danny and believed that Danny was abusive and just a horrible person? Could that be why she failed to inquire about him? Now, during Wendy's lunch at Mosaic, which somehow the police found out about, she was approached by law enforcement, who then escorted her in a police car to the station. How did the cops know where Wendy was? inquiring minds want to know. Did they put out an APB? Did they call Wendy's parents, Donna and Harvey? Is Tallahassee so small that you can find anyone in a jiffy? By the way, do you guys believe what Wendy said about having laryngitis earlier in the week? She said this to explain why she couldn't speak to Danny about her son's school enrollment until Friday. Jeff Lacoste never made mention of Wendy having laryngitis when they saw each other at yoga on Tuesday night, and there was certainly no sign of laryngitis during Wendy's long police interview on Friday. As for the rest of Wendy's day on July 18th, she spent it at the police station. There, she willingly handed over her cell phone, but we know she deleted at least one text, the text that she sent to Charlie, which said, This is so sweet. Why was that text deleted before Wendy handed her phone over? And what was it about? What was so sweet? Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. State agent, or who I had gone with to find um, a house. She just said she was going, driving around town, and she heard there was a shooting at Trescott. Yeah, that's what this is about. I'm sorry you had to hear it that way. I'm sorry, I didn't know if I should, I... It's all right, just leave it there. Is it still on? It's right there. Do you want to just hit play again for me? Sure. Hey, it's Lisa Carey. It is Friday, and I, I feel like an idiot doing this, but I just heard that there was a shooting over on Trescott, and I, I promise I'm not trying to be dramatic or even nosy. I just, I don't know, just, just checking on you, my friend. Um, I hope all is well. I hope your sweet boys are well. And if there's uh, anything you need, let me know. It just it just ran a chill down my spine when I heard that there was um, something going on on Trescott. All right.
Stop it. First, it stopped automatically. It's done. Okay. Do you have your identification with you? 